With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Backpacking Podcast. As always, John Kelly here with my friend, the crown prince of Kentucky backpacking, Jeremiah Stringer. How are you, man? Hey, I'm John's friend, Jeremiah. (laughs) (laughs) What is that? I'm excited to be here, man. I got to tell you, uh, I love this podcast. I also love my UK Wildcats, and they're playing all Benny right now. So I'm missing the game for you and for our guest, Christine, and of course, all of the listeners out there. Well, good. I um, I also am a football fan of this team right here. Oh, um, yeah. It's my bad. That, that, that they, uh, they had a really really good weekend i just want to point that out uh has nothing to do with backpacking though um so what what trips you got coming up man what stuff you well, got coming up i just come back from a trip where i've done the red river gorge with like a million other people uh hopefully hopefully pretty soon i can get out i'm planning on maybe going with jason mr backpacking with jason sir do some hiking in tennessee he, he had this trip planned, and then um, he texted me the other day, and it's like, hey, man, I was looking into this trip, and apparently it's got, like, waist-high creek crossings, and uh, it's rated as one of the top 10 toughest hikes in the U.S., so I think we're going to call an audible. Okay, so were you going to do uh, – uh, which one is it? Which, which which trail was it? It's like Seneca Wilderness. Okay, Seneca Wilderness. Okay, I was thinking of something else, but uh, that's pretty cool, man. So you're not going to do it, huh? I think I'm going to call it quits on that, man. I'm too scared. Uh, I get you, man. I get you. You know, it's funny you bring that particular thing up because we're about to have somebody on this show who has dealt with situations like high water and has been scared out of her mind by park rangers who told her that she could potentially die from that. And uh, actually, she wrote a fantastic book. It's called Alone in Wonderland. And tonight we have a fantastic guest in Miss Christine Reed. So, Jeremiah, I think without any further ado, we need to bring her on right now. What do you think? Oh, let's do it. Here we go. How you doing, Christine? Hi. Hey, Christine. I, I was talking to you a little bit before the show. I have your book here. I, I finished it yesterday. And I, you know what's what going on, Hawkers? <laughs> I have no idea what just happened there. <laughs> I had to say... I'm always excited to finish a book, but I'm especially excited whenever there's a little something after the end of the book and everybody's going to have to check it out because it's, you know, without stealing too much of your thunder, uh, basically alone in Wonderland along the Wonderland trail, um, around Mount Rainier. But, uh, at the very end, you, you had a letter written and I won't say much about it, but, uh, you got a lot of acknowledgements in here and, I always like to see where where is somebody's headspace after the book and what did they learn from it? And you wrapping up the book, I mean, after it's done with the epilogue and the acknowledgements and then the letter or what I would call a letter, that that was, you know, a little tear right <laughs> on your face. 
So why don't you tell us a little bit of uh, what inspired your journey and what this book is kind of about just to get started. Yeah, um, the book is framed with my hike on the Wonderland Trail, um, which I did in fall of 2018. So a little over three years ago now. Um, but it's really a journey that started before that um, and kind of culminated with my time on the Wonderland Trail. And if I'm being honest, is absolutely still happening. Um, you know, we like to tie things up with a bow and pretend the end of the book is the end of the story. But of course, it's not. And, you know, that's why <laughs> that's why after writing the book, I'm like, let me just stick this little extra one thing in here <laughs> at the end, um, because the journey is still happening. And now I'm writing another book. So um, but the story that I wanted to tell with Alone in Wonderland was very much a story about um, freedom and independence and kind of what we're seeking when we go on big trips um, into the wilderness, like a through hike. Um, I think a lot of times those of us who are hiking in our 20s, kind of in that after college phase, we're looking to separate ourselves from our childhood life, separate ourselves from ideas of who we should be based on society and the way we were raised. And a big part of my journey was kind of graduating from college and realizing I didn't really know what I wanted with my life. And I had kind of just done what I'd been told for the first 24 years. <laughs> um, and that's, you know, honestly, that that journey kind of started with my attempted through hike on the Appalachian Trail in 2015 and then continued through those intervening years until I found myself on the Wonderland Trail, kind of still trying to answer those same questions, still trying to figure out who the people in my life were. Um, and I had learned so much from my experience on the Appalachian Trail that when I went on the Wonderland Trail, I thought this is really going to teach me something. I'm going to get answers to questions that have been burning. Um and, and so the book is a little bit of an exploration of those questions that stuck with me over the years and that I was hoping to get an answer to on the Wonderland Trail. Yeah, I know you you mentioned the Appalachian Trail uh, several times in the book. Uh, what what was your uh, you talk about being a real newbie when you got started on the Appalachian Trail. What were some of the big things that you did early on that you just shake your head at now and just go, what in the world was I thinking? Oh, um, honestly, one of the biggest things that I've kind of come full circle on even more recently is uh, the way that I was fueling myself on the Appalachian Trail. I really didn't know how to like eat and hike, how to eat throughout the day. I was like eating breakfast, hiking until I just couldn't function anymore because my body was so depleted. And then like laying on a bench and spooning peanut butter into my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, while my dinner was cooking, I'm like cooking ramen noodles and just like shoveling in peanut butter. And I'm like, this is not how you fuel your body for activity. Um, but it took me a long time to figure that out. I definitely didn't figure it out on the AT. Um, and honestly, I hadn't figured it out on the Wonderland Trail yet either. It's kind of one of the reasons I hiked the Colorado Trail this year, because um, I had gotten some of that information and insight from from a couple years of running. And I thought, I bet I could do this hiking thing better now that I understand uh, what my body requires to move all day. Yeah, we were, we were we got your book, and you know, we started reading it and work we're working on you uh coming on to the podcast and you were on the Colorado Trail at the time. So you're out there still getting the experiences. How do you do it now? How do you correctly fuel your body or how did you do it on the Colorado Trail? Um I I really had to let go of a little bit of my like dysfunctional relationship and idea with food from like normal life and just say like, I'm just going to eat 
all day long. <laughs> and I'm going to not feel bad about it. Like I, my body needs that. And I think it's so hard in our culture to, to like feel okay about just like eating food all day long. Um, and, and really on the Colorado trail, like I would wake up and eat probably 600 calories worth of oats and nut butter and fruit and like just all the breakfast things. And then pretty much from 45 minutes after that, I was eating every 45 minutes to an hour and I felt great. So much better. Uh, you've definitely got more energy when you do that. That's for sure. There's no doubt about that one. Okay. We got a few comments that are coming in. First off, Karen Griswold just wants to say, hello, Christine. Welcome to the, to the show. Uh, everyday backpacker, the wonderland trail is high on their list. Oh, and, and a quick thing about that. I actually, I was with a group of guys. We had applied to do the wonderland trail and we lost the lottery. So we weren't able to do it this year and we live too far out to just kind of go out and hope we can get in. So yeah, it was one of those things for us. We, we didn't get it. So we're going to try again, hopefully this year and see if we can't get back in. Uh, let's see. We got <laughs> peanut butter and Netflix. That's pretty much my life. <laughs> LOL. <laughs> if only I had had Netflix. <laughs> there we go. Uh, trail pizza is amazing fuel. Um, bourbon balls i love that he misspells bourbon balls every single time he puts us on here um yeah yeah so uh that's funny i was gonna ask um on the colorado trail when you were feeling your body that way um and i don't know how much you want to deep dive in the colorado trail tonight because i don't know what your second book is about so we don't have to say anything you don't want to say but um we can totally go there yeah all right awesome so I think that it's interesting that you say there's kind of like this odd stigma in our culture specifically on the whole diet and nutrition and what's when it's okay to eat and should you do intermittent fasting and what's the most effective? Should you do vegan, pescatarian? Like, so you're out on the Colorado trail. Did you take, I did the long trail. So it took me about a month in Vermont. And I took like whatever I want to eat. Like if I wanted to bring three pounds of those giant brick chocolate bars, on a, a resupply, I just which, which you did, which, which you did. did. Admit that. Don't say if. We <laughs> all know you did that. Every that is what time, happened. Every time I did it. So, were there things that you would kind of stick away from? Obviously, super heavy things, but uh, like, what? How are you making those decisions on what to take? Um, I packed. So I did food drops for the whole trail um, because my partner was supporting me from home, and so he was able to do all of my shipping, which was great. Um, and I had done food drops on the Appalachian Trail, and I, I liked doing it that way because I do have some dietary restrictions. Um, and it's just you never know what you're going to get in a trail town in terms of food. And so I didn't want to rely on that. Um, so pretty much some people might cringe with this. I ate oats every morning and I ate ramen every night like that. was my go-to. Um, I also packed protein shakes for the middle of the day. So I had, it was like a proteins and greens mix with beet juice and turmeric powder for inflammation. Um, so I was like drinking that every day, midday. And then my snacks that I pre-packed were like super healthy, like health food store energy bricks and things that are just like, you get really sick of that stuff. But it has like actual nutrition in it. Um, and then when we were in town, I would buy just like, you know, Sour Patch Kids or like sh stuff I shouldn't be eating at all. <laughs> but it was just, you know, like when you're, you're, you've been hiking and you're like, ooh, Chex Mix. And I'm like, I have no business eating Chex Mix. It like makes my knees swell. Gluten is so bad for my body. But sometimes <laughs> it's just the thing, like that's the thing you really want. 
Um, so I did give myself a little bit of grace in terms of what I was buying in town. Um, but I wanted to have a base of the things that I knew were going to fuel my body properly and, and make me feel good so that I could, you know, be bad and treat myself to a couple of things I shouldn't be eating. Um, that struck my fancy when I had the chance, you know? Yeah. For me, it's Welch's fruit snacks. Nice. I, I love fruit snacks. I love those things. <laughs> I could eat those things all day. Here's a question from uh, Jeremy from All Things Outdoors. He says, have you ever brought two dozen cookies from Subway? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely no. <laughs> Jeremiah, would you know anything it. about that? Jeremiah, <laughs> do you know anything about that? Well, some of the people on here, I think uh, I've done some backpacking with pretty recently. <laughs> Bourbon ball. I won't go too in depth, but the the trip that I mentioned earlier, right before we brought you on, where I went with a number of other people, I brought some like goodies. I brought some bourbon balls because I live in Kentucky. So, I what like, what is a bourbon ball? A bourbon exactly ball? what you think it is? <laughs> it's basically a Buckeye. Like, have you had Buckeye balls? Chocolate no. and peanut butter. Just chocolate yeah. and peanut butter. Chocolate. And peanut I see. Butter, okay, but in a, like a little ball. You know, there's more okay. to it than just the peanut butter, John. I think there's powdered <laughs> sugar in there to hold it together. Maybe some butter. Very unhealthy. So, but, but the important thing is chocolate peanut butter. Let's just get straight. So it's, you, it belo- they belong together. They are they're a couple match. <laughs> it's a match made in heaven. It really is. So the bourbon ball, you replace the uh, peanut butter essentially with bourbon. And those are not the same consistency. No, do you? Have yeah, to- I don't know how that works, Jeremiah. <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm thinking that may not work the way you're thinking it does. You have to add stuff. You have to add stuff to it, just like the peanut butter. You know, that's too sticky and gooey. So you got to throw some powdered sugar and uh, butter in there. In the and- bourbon? <laughs> no, not in the bourbon. I don't. I bought the, I bought the bourbon. I'm just like, okay, what do you add to bourbon? And what do you add to peanut butter to make those things the same consistency? Well, they're not going to be the same consistency. <laughs> the, the bourbon balls, it it tastes like bourbon whenever you bite into it. It pretty much like, you know. And and depending on okay. who and depending on who does it, you might feel a little odd after taking a bite out of one. <laughs> yeah, like, you gotta be careful who you give them to. You know, some people, some people in Kentucky really like to bourbonize the bourbon balls. Let me tell you. <laughs> But anyway, shout out to Jeremy, All Things Outdoors. He texted me a minute ago and said that he's rushing home from his league game of basketball so he can watch the uh, the podcast tonight. That's he's awesome. talking to, he was on this trip with me last weekend, and we happened to pass a subway from one trailhead to the next. We had to like drive over to a different location where we were at. And so I kind of stopped and got subway for lunch, and then I got like – two dozen cookies and carried them out <laughs> so I could give them to everybody where we were camping. There's like 12 of us, you know? That was nice. Yeah, you got a treat. So you didn't pack out 12 cookies for yourself. That seems fair. Well, I made sure everybody got one, and then I had as, as <laughs> yeah, many. There were two people with him. Um, so. oh, there's like 14 people. <laughs> <laughs> but enough about me. We could talk about me all. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Andrew, look at this. Straight from Google. Are you ready? All right. Hit me with an Andrew. Sift the cocoa and one <laughs> cup powdered sugar into a medium bowl. Combine the bourbon and corn syrup and add the cocoa corn mixture. Syrup. Stir in the crushed wafers and pecans, mixing until well blended. So there you go, man. Wafers? I-, I guess. I guess that's what it is. I don't know, but that's what you need to make. Now, talk about inflammation. If you want some inflammation, you can eat something. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely bring yeah. bourbon balls for inflammation. There you go. Yeah, look. Oh. 
it comes to lot. It, it happened. It, it, <laughs> I was been, warned there would be poop questions. They're, so. they're coming. We're not going to do the questions just yet. But uh, <laughs> Karen says it's a truffle soaked in bourbon, basically. Yeah, mm. basically. It's also delicious. Yeah. It's yeah. very good. They are very good. That's true. Um, somebody on here, let me see if I can find him real quick. My goldfish drown is his name. Um, but he said the best time to hike in Colorado is now. No bugs, no crowds, and no lightning. Did you true. did you face any lightning when you were out on the Colorado Trail? There was a little bit, but honestly, we had the best weather. Um, and it's kind of funny because we hiked northbound, which if you know anything about the Colorado Trail is like a faux pas. Um, it, you know, everybody hikes from Denver to Durango. There are a couple of logistical reasons why people do it that way more often. Um, and, and I didn't realize it was like, everybody goes that way until we got out there and everybody seemed really shocked for us to be out there. Cause we were hiking, we left Durango about kind of right in the middle of time that people are finishing in Durango and we were headed the opposite direction. So we saw probably 30 to 40 people going the other direction every day for the first two weeks. Um, wow. and, and almost everyone we saw was like, you're the only people we've seen going North. <laughs> uh, they all thought it was wild. And I thought, man, I kind of thought about, you know, I live in Colorado, so I have an idea of what the weather and the seasons are like there. And, um, I thought a lot about our strategy and it just seemed to make sense to me to start in August and to go North because I thought, Oh, Denver will be cooling off in mid September by the time that we get there. And the weather in the San Juans in the Southern region will be better in August than like earlier or later. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, it just made perfect sense to me. And we got out there and we had an amazing time and perfect weather. And like, we probably only got rained on two or three times. Um, wow. And, yeah. And, and like people who started this year in July in Denver and went the other way were in like crazy monsoons on the, the Denver end. Yeah. I had a buddy um, who we just did it. avoided that. I had a buddy who just did just it. He did was it. on here a few weeks ago and he said nice. he got caught in a hailstorm and basically got his butt kicked. Um, and uh, there were some other things involved in it too, but he was just like, the, <laughs> when that weather hits, he says, you see it coming in the distance. He says, you've got to get moving fast or you're going to be in big trouble. Yeah. So yeah, that's so, awesome. That you we only definitely had two. saw some storms. Yeah. We had a few overnight storms. One day we woke up to like a layer of kind of hail ice balls on the ground um, but yeah, honestly, it was, it was really great. And I would absolutely recommend people do it that way. So you That's think awesome. that you think that you struck it a little bit lucky or a combination, or you think that everybody else is doing it wrong by going the other <laughs> way? Everybody else is just wrong. Uh, everybody <laughs> else is wrong. I guess hard to say it's anecdotal at best, but, um, we had a really great time. <laughs> Yeah, I, don't, I, don't. I want more people to do it that way so I can know if that's the right way for my own future benefit. Absolutely. Well, I did uh, Holy Cross Wilderness. I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's in Colorado. And the snow is what got me. Like, we're at very high elevation. And the snow, I guess, it was July. So it was so melty that you post hold in it. And, like, one of the passes we got to, you just couldn't. You couldn't go through it or I, I wasn't comfortable going through it without equipment. And, yeah. and, you know, being from Kentucky, our highest point of elevation is below 5,000 feet. So you're never really yeah. in the mountains like in Colorado. So in August is pretty much all that basically gone and you're going to have a path through there. 
It depends on the year. Um, but we, I, I carried yak tracks the entire trail and I never once put them on. What is it? So yak tracks, they're like, uh, rubber band tread thing that goes on the bottom of your shoe and it has like metal coils so it's for like light snow it's kind of like micro spikes kind of thing is that what that is yes they're slightly less aggressive than micro spikes okay very cool uh my my goldfish drown said northbound is like eating dessert first so are those the best views i guess in the in the south yeah, so the south here in the San Juans is supposed to be the most beautiful. You know, it's more alpine. It's really, like, beautiful views for a long distance. And I actually was a little bit worried about that because everybody said, oh, you know, I couldn't imagine doing it the other way because this part is the best. Like, these are the people we're meeting in our first week. And they're like, this is the best part of the trail. And it kind of made me think that the beginning was going to be, like, crappy. Like, I was like, oh no, we're going to like get to a point and then it's going to suck. And then we're just going to have to like gruel it out for the last like two weeks. And I just kept waiting for it to get like not as good. And it never did. I really thought the whole thing was amazing. And like the parts, obviously it's different closer to Denver. Um, And there's a couple of burn scars and like that kind of sucks to hike through, but it's also it's diversity and it's a part of the state. And I really feel like the Colorado trail is so representative of all of the different parts of Colorado that you feel like you've seen everything when you're done. And so like you need that burn scar in there because that's a huge part of the Colorado ecosystem. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know I did the Sheltoe trace a few years ago. Um, and I, I began, we kind of did like a flip flop yo-yo whatever we felt like doing kind of hike with it. We ended up starting in the the Northern terminus and came South to this pizza restaurant because the terminus is kind of suck on the hike. And so we came down, we went to a, a pizza place and then we went to the South terminus and we hiked back to the pizza place. So that was where we kind of double pizza. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But uh, the South end of the Sheltoe trace, the North end's pretty and it, there's some beautiful spots, but that South end in Tennessee the first 50 miles, and Jeremiah would probably agree with me on this. The first 50 miles of the Shell Toy Trace are by far the most beautiful part of it. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's better. I, I want to do it again at some point, but except I want to go south and end in Tennessee because I think the payoff is just so much better down there. Yeah. Then at the pizza place? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's nothing like ending at a, a random bridge with no real <laughs> signage. So. Well, John, that that trail that he did is like around 350-ish miles long. And okay. so um, the the Southern Terminus is kind of like where I grew up. And I got to agree with him. It is the highlight. Plus, he can go to that pizza place anytime he wants. He lives like an hour from I live an hour and a half from there. I'm, <laughs> I'm good. I can go there when I feel like it. And I do go there quite often because it's, it's in the Red River Gorge. So, you know, so we're all can good. You, can you give us like kind of a briefing of – basically the reader's digest version of what the Colorado trail is like mileage time to complete popularity, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So the Colorado trail is 486 miles. It goes from Denver to Durango, um, which is like a seven, seven and a half hour drive um, to get from one to the other. And it doesn't summit. I want to say it doesn't summit a single mountain. Um, It goes over lots of passes the whole time I would be looking at the thing going like, Ooh, when are we going to like summit something? You never do. <laughs> um, but there's an opportunity to summit probably five or six 14ers within like a three mile round trip of the trail. So there's lots of times that you can kind of like go off on a side trail, like real quick and summit something. Um, 
Yeah, it's got tons of elevation gain, lots and lots of 3,000 foot climbs. Um, I think the most common or like average finishing time for people is about a month, Mm. Um, four to five weeks. We took six weeks. Um, This year, a woman set the fastest unsupported time at 11 days. Wow. Um, Wow. That's impressive. Unsupported? (laughs) Um, on, like, I guess self-supported. Self-supported? Which, wow. Yeah, yeah. That's impressive. I think she had a resupply. Um, that's impressive. And then I don't know if you guys follow trail running, um, but Courtney DeWalter, who is my trail running hero, attempted last year to set a trail running record. She was going for five days, which would have been like a hundred miles a day. Um, and she ended up hospitalized. I um, would say so. Like, wow. Some kind of organ issue um but i'm hoping she's gonna attempt it again because i would love to see her like crush that wow um it's also really popular for mountain biking mountain bike packing um so we saw tons of bikes but the mountain biking route doesn't go um on the entire like it's not the exact same trail it's a lot of the same trail and then in some of the wilderness areas where bikes aren't allowed there's like detours and stuff um, so I think the mountain bike version is a little longer. It looks like it says the uh, mountain bikes, people mountain bike race the the CT in like four to five days. That and it's crazy. That's nuts. That is absolutely even, nuts. Even people just doing it is nuts because I saw people like you're up at eleven, twelve thousand feet, and they're like pushing a mountain bike loaded down with gear up like a rocky talus field, and I'm just like, are you having fun at all? Because this looks terrible. <laughs> I don't know how you breathe doing that. I. I've I've been in some high elevation and I mean you get above you get above twelve thousand feet and it starts really getting hard. So that's crazy. Yeah. Um Jeremiah's getting called out a little bit on here, so we need to make sure we, we make some oh. make some calls on this. Jeremiah, your hair looks fantastic. Oh, <laughs> oh make sure you get to hear that from Buckley there. Uh, and and then Jeff Peters is calling us out. He says the fake news is fake. I've seen Jeremiah's merch. It's under the Gonex brand name. Ah, uh, you're um, yeah. We'll explain that to you afterwards, Christine. That's a long-standing <laughs> joke in here. We probably should have explained that beforehand, and we didn't. And then someone else is agreeing that Jeremiah's hair does look fantastic. Uh, but Jeremiah does not have merch. And if you guys are reading the fake news right now, you are seeing that nobody's ever seen Jeremiah merch. And we need to change that, Jeremiah. So maybe Christine can talk you into it because nobody else can seem to. But uh, Yeah, you should put a photo of you with this hair. Today's hair. Quotes from today's show. People complimenting your hair on a T-shirt. Oh, that's a good idea. I feel like it is very uh, narcissistic for me to put my face on a t-shirt. Well, I mean, (laughs) you're not doing it for you, man. You're not doing it for you. No, I'm doing it for the money. Give the people what they want. I was going to go with you're doing it for the people. Hey, Ben McMillan's on here from Hilltop Packs. I want Jeremiah's face on a shirt. Please, please. I I want Jeremiah's face on a shirt. I made Jeremiah's logo because I like Jeremiah's face, and I put Jeremiah's face on his logo. So I want Jeremiah's face on a shirt. I will. I'm a big believer in giving people gifts with your face on them. I think that's like, a great idea. This is definitely my MO. I like it. I like it. Yeah, I could just make them at cost. Yeah, and then anybody that wanted my face could have it. It'd be like an NFT but on a T-shirt. Yeah, dude. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Sorry, Christine. We're totally we really had to go off. This is what we do here. Sometimes we just get completely off off the beaten path and and talk about things. No worries. Completely. So, up. Uh, you you said that it took you all about six weeks to do the Colorado Trail, and I'm I'm curious of two things. One, 
did it take you longer uh, because you were thinking about how you would incorporate it in your book? And two, do you like keep a journal or some kind of uh, diary or something along those lines that you use throughout your your treks or adventures? Um, no and no. Okay. I <laughs> I would like to say there was a reason other than just being slow that it took us six weeks, <laughs> but mostly just slowness. Um, I don't keep a journal. I never really have been a journal keeper. Um, on the Wonderland Trail, I did not take notes at all because I wasn't planning to write a book until I finished. Um, it was the last day on trail that I thought, I'm going to write a book about this. And, and I really quick on a scrap of paper that I had kind of wrote down, like, Day one, I met this person and this person. Day two, this person, this person. Day nine, saw some bears, right? Like I just kind of wrote down the super basic notes. And then when I got home, I started writing immediately. Um, not that I like got it done real quick. It took me a year to write the first draft. That's, <laughs> so. That's so impressive because I can't remember what I had for dinner last night. And it's like I'm reading through this book and the detail you're putting in stuff. I, I'll be honest with you. I wouldn't. I, I would be lost trying to remember everything. Uh, I people ask me about different hikes I've been on, and I can't remember anything. Like, I remember what things looked like, and I remember little stories here and there. But the detail that yeah. you put into this is just impressive. Uh, were you a good student when you were younger? <laughs> Are you going to make fun of me or something? <laughs> yeah, we like to make fun of people. That's really all we do. Mostly, we just make fun of Jeremiah because I mean, it's already like. <laughs> People are still talking about the merch on here. Make it happen. All the cool kids would wear it. His face is already on a food bag. I want Jeremiah's face <laughs> on a poster. Maybe a silhouette of Jeremiah in his poop hammock. I mean, <laughs> everybody's asking for it. Like, this, you know, how about Jeremiah's signature poop hammock? I'd pay top dollar for that or bottom dollar for that. Oh, Two dollars. <laughs> That's funny. That that poop hammock with my face on it seems like to be seems to I, be hot. I really only make fun of Jeremiah. Like, I don't typically make fun of our guests. So. That's fair. I was a good student. I also was a big reader. Um, I have a very literary mind and I love storytelling. So awesome. I, I really enjoy telling stories like out loud. Um, and so I feel like I kind of translated that into the book writing. Um, I did take notes on the Colorado trail because it was 41 days. And I was like, how am I going to remember 41 days worth of what I ate for dinner and like, not that anyone <laughs> wants to read about that, but like the, you know, just those little details and like which day was which and, and what things looked like. Um, I mean, my, my notes were still like a little notepad like this that I was just kind of scribbling about half a page a day. Um, but I did do that because I wanted to have a little bit of, of reminders of things this time around. Of course, then I lost the, the notepad. <laughs> um, oh, no. while I was, <laughs> so we like zeroed in Breckenridge because um, I have a friend that lives there and she picked us up and we like went to her house and we like exploded our stuff all over the place. And then the next morning when we got ready to go, I couldn't find it. And I, oh. I was really freaking out. I was super upset. Um, and I like her, her partner was trying to go to work and I was like, please help me find my notebook. Um, you know, and they kind of tore the couch apart and like looking all over the house and, and we ended up leaving and I didn't have it. And, and then we stopped to get water at the first water source. And I pulled my water bladder out of that little sleeve in the back of the backpack. And the notebook had like gotten in there with my water bladder. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> so I had it, but I was, I was so upset. I was like, what am I going to do? How am I going to write a book? I don't know. Like, I'm going to forget everything. <laughs> <laughs> First class meltdown. 
I mean, that's so I've lost stuff in those bladder, uh, those bladder pockets too. It's like, yeah, that's never happened to me. I didn't even think to look there. And I, I emptied my whole backpack looking for it, except for that. Cause I was like, why would it why be in there? Why that? would it be in yeah, there? Exactly. I can't remember, man, I lost something for a long time. <laughs> in one of those, I can't remember what it was now, but I found it like a few months later. Those things are a black hole. So, <laughs> um, Christine, I gotta say, have you ever seen Narcos on Netflix? No? Well, you're missing out, first of all. You need to watch Narcos and Narcos in Mexico. But second of all, I imagine, yeah, Derek says, awesome that you found it. So, yeah, I imagine. If good, I, good for anyone who wants to read a book in the future that I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm That's reading true. that book. That's true. So, I, I'm, I've almost caught up on the newest season of Narcos in Mexico. And it's, it's very, very entertaining because it actually happened, but they have to change some of the things because you're, you're going deep into storylines of some of the people. So I imagine if I wrote a book, it would be heavily dramatized and just to make it interesting, you know, how, how tempting is it and how much do you think changes from what actually happens in real life to you? Like, I'm going to send this to my editor and see what they think. Not embellished necessarily, but that's exactly what I would do. But I know it's hard to remember too. So where's that? How do you tell the line? Um, I mean, I definitely try to keep everything like true to life. Um, I do have the disclaimer, the standard memoir disclaimer in Alone in Wonderland, which is something along the lines of like names have been changed. Um, and maybe some things have been smushed a little bit for story continuity. And in terms of what happened on the Wonderland Trail, there's one conversation that I had with somebody that I moved, um, just like when and where it happened, because there was too much going on in the chapter of the day that it really did happen. And I was like, I just need to like get like one of these things out and put it somewhere else so that it's not distracting from whatever else was going on. Um so there's, yeah, there was one person that I moved in, in what happened in the Wonderland Trail. In terms of the stuff that happened before, like those stories go back as far as, you know, 2009 mm -hmm. is the beginning of, of the other narrative timeline. And so for that stuff, you know, I, I definitely kept things as true to my memory as I could. Um, but I think when you're writing memoir, a lot of times the, the truth of the story is really in the emotion and in your personal experience of it. And so some of those little details are really like, I think back and close my eyes to those memories and the things I remember are the way that I felt, um, you know, and some of the sensory stuff is really there in terms of memory, but a lot of times painting the picture is really about creating or bringing in little details that are going to make the reader feel what you were feeling in that moment. Um, and so I think, you know, not to say that there is anything fabricated. It's just that a lot of it is more about evoking emotion than telling the accurate details of that moment. That makes sense. That. If that makes sense. Yeah. That makes yeah. sense. So you, you have this like dual uh, timeline in the book following the journey that you would call life. And at some point you, uh, you started telling people, Hey, I'm interested in doing the Appalachian trail. Like I'm at, did you have really any experience with backpacking before that? And how, how exactly did that go telling everybody? 
Um, yeah, none at all. <laughs> and, and I really hadn't done very much hiking either. I had been on a few day hikes. Um, I had never hiked more than four miles when I decided I was going to do the Appalachian Trail. Um, I, you know, I, I was working in the same office as my mom at the time. And I kind of like stomped into her office and was like, I'm going to hike the Appalachian Trail. And, and I, I lovingly refer to my parents as indoorsy people. Um, neither of them were, <laughs> were like active, athletic or doing anything outdoors. Um, and so when I told her that, number one, she said, uh, what is that? And when I told her what it was, then she said, why would you want to do that? <laughs> you know, she just didn't get it at all. And, and even the fact that I got it was like a surprise to me as much as anyone else. Like I, I kind of stumbled upon some blogs about the Appalachian Trail and something about it just clicked to me. I just thought this this is something, something I want to be a part of. And, and based on my prior life experience, it didn't make any sense at all. So I could understand why everyone in my life was confused. Um, you know, my parents have always been the type to say like, you can do anything you want, anything you set your mind to, like, you, you know, like they really raised me to believe I could do anything. Um, I don't think they thought that was going to go that direction, but I, uh, I didn't have any doubts about my ability to like figure it out, you know? Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, uh, we had a, uh, one of our commenters leave an image for Jeremiah and I want to put this up here and Christine, I want to get your opinion on if this is a route that Jeremiah should go since he's no longer on the screen for some reason. So what do you <laughs> think about this right here for 1995? I mean, it's different. 1995. It's a perfect price. <laughs> I, I think it's fantastic. I think it's, I think it's a great shirt. Uh, ben McMillan sent this to us from Hilltop Packs. And uh, Ben is a, is quite the businessman. He makes some great quality stuff. So I'm thinking that maybe we should we should do this. License that image. Yeah. I think we should make this happen. I think happen. that's definitely a conversation starting like piece, right? You're wearing that t-shirt, no words, no explanation, just the face. Now, if we made this out of sweat wicking material, if we made this out of sweat wicking material, would you wear this on the trail? On the I'm not much of a t-shirt person. Okay. If you could do like one of, you know, classy hiker button up with like either the face split down the middle or like two oh, faces. Oh, that would be great. I might rock that. <laughs> that would be awesome. Maybe that's what, that's what we need to do. We need to like make one with, with it so you can open it up. When you open it up, it's got his arms out like this on the inside of the shirt. So you do this, that's his arms like this. This yes. could be, we can make this happen. I'm telling you. And he's not on here to defend himself right now. So... I'm thinking this is a thing. I'm thinking this is a thing. So let's let's talk. You should just start giving Jeremiah gifts with his face on them for every every holiday. Yeah, because he won't give them to us. You know, he's very selfish. That's that's the thing about Jeremiah. He's extremely selfish. Um, <laughs> here's here's one leggings. We could do leggings with Jeremiah's face on the side. Yeah, of and that a that bunch would, of small ones. Yeah, that wouldn't be creepy at all. Not in the least bit. So like the cats in space leggings, it'll be like Jeremiah's face in space there. I like that. See, here's the thing. You need to be on the show more often so we can get (laughs) Jeremiah more ideas on how to do this stuff. So, okay, let me ask you a question about the book because it says that you were an Indie Excellence Book Award winner. So can you explain Mm -hmm. that? Can you explain that a little bit? What are the Indie Excellence Awards? 
Yeah. So there's a couple of different awards for independently published books. Um, the National Indie Excellence Awards is one of them. And I submitted the book to be considered. They have a fiction and a nonfiction category, and then they have a whole bunch of subcategories um, for different things. And Alone in Wonderland was actually chosen for the overall nonfiction winner. Um, so that was super exciting. And they don't tell you how many people have submitted their books. So I have no idea how many books were in the competition for that category. Um, I'm going to guess somewhere around 17,000. That That's going to be my guess for that. <laughs> that would make me feel really good. <laughs> um, but if you, man, if you look at the statistics of how many books are self-published or independently published every year, it's an insane number. Like yeah. so many. Um, you know, that doesn't say anything about how many people are, are finding out about these awards and going and submitting their work for awards and, and, you know, doing different things like that. Um, but when I started looking into the process of publishing the book, I was amazed by how many books are self-published every year. Oh, wow. That's awesome. That's awesome. So be honest, when you found out you won an award, did you kind of do a little happy dance of sorts when you found out? Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. That's all. Did you get that on video? No. <laughs> See, that's that's where the mess up was. If you'd have had that on video, we could have played that for everybody tonight, and they could have seen just how excited you were when you won. But that would have been quite the highlight reel. Yeah. So, what are some what are some uh, bucket list hikes that you got coming up? Have you you got other places you're wanting to go and check out? Yeah, I'd really like to do the Arizona Trail. Um, that's kind of probably my top at this point. I don't know when that'll be. I probably have, uh, you know, a book to write before I get on that. Um, I'd really like to do New Zealand, the T Araroa Trail, yeah. which I'm sure nobody knows how to pronounce. Um, and I, I think the Camino would be fun as a cultural experience. It's it's definitely a different style of hiking, but I've read several books about it. And it seems like it would be a really fun experience to go with like a friend and, and do the, you know, hostels and, um, eating good food and hiking with no big heavy backpack on. <laughs> um, so I've got my eye on a few, but it's, you know, planning something like that is a big endeavor and I'm definitely not planning anything for 2022. Unfortunately, I'll probably be hanging around Colorado and doing a bunch of day hiking. That's you know, awesome. I haven't really made my list yet. Oh, yeah. forgive me if I missed it, but I, I want to know you, you published this, this first book. And you're planning on writing the second book soon. What is it that drives you to write another book? Um, a big part of it has been the reception of Alone in Wonderland. Um, just the the people that I've talked to who've read it and really connected with the story. And like what you said before, Jeremiah, about it being pretty vulnerable. Um, I, I think that we need more vulnerable stories in the world. I think we need more people kind of speaking their truth and the, the connection that I've made with other hikers and readers, like through the story has been really powerful. And, and I've been super excited to have people say to me, thank you for, for writing this book. Like I reading it made me feel less alone. Um, and that is something that I, I want to continue to do. We got a really cool comment here. Uh, Chad Johnstone, come to New Zealand. It's amazing. The trails are insane. Chad, are you from New Zealand? Is that what you're telling us? Because if you are, it's really cool that you're on right now. (laughs) (laughs) You might have the hook up there, Christine. (laughs) 
<laughs> now, Jeremiah, while you were gone, we got a T-shirt idea from Ben McMillan uh, oh, that I want to make sure you get to see. Um, it's this right here for 1995. <laughs> what did he email that to you? He he texted it to me. I I, I got a text that said, "Check your phone." <laughs> so so I uh, I checked out my text and and there it was, man. So uh, Christine and I have both decided there are a lot of ways you can go with this. Like Christine. <laughs> Christine had the idea of if you made leggings, you could put your face all over the leggings, kind of like the space cat. So you could be the space Jeremiah. I mean, that's what her idea. Did, I think that's fantastic. What if you did different different faces? You know how I shave my beard and sometimes get the haircut real real short. Mm. Now it's growing out. You could do like <laughs> the many faces of Jeremiah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That that would be good. That would be good. And, and not only that, but I think somebody else posted it in here, and I'm not going to try and find it because it was way up the list at this point. But someone was saying you should get a shirt that has you on the front of it, but then when you lift it up, it's a different face, and you can be Jeremiah. So you can just put it over your head. So I don't know. Maybe we could get. We should do Christine shirts. We'll we'll pull, like here's what we're gonna do. When you put out your next book, we're gonna make Christine shirts. And that's what they're going to be. They're going to be like the many faces of Christine, like from different hikes and everything. So yeah, let's sounds let's, good. But, but let's give away some Christine shirts and Christine books. Yeah, let's, I'm not. Well, and here's a question I'm, for you, Christine. This is a. I'm going to get back on track because I'm getting this way off because this is what I do and I'm terrible about it. But <laughs> let me ask you a question. Your uh, trail name is Lady Unicorn, correct? Where did that come yep. from? Can you tell us the story behind your trail name? Yeah, it's a long and not very interesting story. Um, essentially, <laughs> I know I get asked this every time and I'm just like, I wish it was an interesting story, but it kind of is just boring. Um, I was on the Appalachian Trail. I my whole life thought nicknames were dumb and I was real cynic about it. Um, and I knew that trail names were part of the culture. So I was expecting it. Um, but I was really avoiding it. And I was also being very antisocial at the beginning of the Appalachian trail because my mom had just died and I was just kind of like in my own head. Um, and so I was, you know, I was, I was out there having my own experience and I was not really getting into a trail family. Um, and, and I ended up hiking with a group of hikers for a couple of days. And one of them was just like, why don't you have a trail name? And <laughs> she was just like, you know, you're the only person who doesn't have one. And like, you, you can't just be Christina. And I was like, fine, fine. And she just asked me a bunch of questions, um, which led to, I like unicorns. And she was like, oh, you can be, have you ever seen the movie, The Last Unicorn? Um, have you ever, have you seen that movie? No, never heard of it. Okay. It's an excellent film from the late eighties. <laughs> um, it's, it's a cartoon kind of in the style of the old Hobbit cartoon. And it's about, um, you know, some evil King is like killing all the unicorns, la la la. And then there's one unicorn left and a wizard turns her into a woman so that they can protect her. And the woman's name is Lady Amalthea. And so this girl was like, you should be Lady Amalthea. And I was like, actually, I really like that. Like, that's fun. Um, but I quickly realized nobody knew the reference or could remember the word Amalfia. <laughs> it's not a real word. <laughs> so everybody was like, lady, what? Like, it just became a problem that my name was something nobody could remember. 
Um, and so that led to another conversation a few days later with people asking me where the name came from. And then they were like, yeah, we're not calling you that. And then somebody saying, you could be unicorn girl. And I was like, no, <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> like, I'm 25 years old. I'm trying to assert my independence and be like a grown up person out here. I'm not going to be a unicorn girl. Um, and so then it became Lady Unicorn. So it was a little bit of an evolution. Definitely not a funny story other than just like humans. I don't know. I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, you're selling yourself short. I thought that was great. Yeah. <laughs> um, just to let you know, Ch- Chad, who who left the message from New Zealand, he he's from the States, but he lives in New Zealand now. He says he's from Michigan, the better state. Mm. Well, if it was a better state, you wouldn't have moved to New Zealand. So that's all I'm going to say about oh, that one. Oh, um, I, I, shots fired. I had to do it. I had to do it. <laughs> Uh, okay, so we have a real question for you, Christine, an actual real question. Um, wow. Uh, what was the best day on trail and what made it great? And then the second is, what was the worst tra- day on trail and why? Um, on trail, any trail ever? You know what? You can you can interpret that however you want. Go crazy. So much pressure. Um, I'm going to stay specific <laughs> on, <laughs> on the Colorado Trail just because that's the most recent. Um I'm going to tell the worst day first. Day 10 was the worst day. And it was like, after it happened, me and my hiking partner, Maybelline, were both like, you know what? Every day from now on is going to be better than this. And we can just like curse day 10. And so every time something bad would happen afterwards, we would go, at least it's not day 10. Um, And the reason it was bad is because we were hiking in in the San Juans at super high elevation, probably 11, 12,000 feet up over kind of like grassy bulbs. And it was super windy. It was raining and the rain was just kind of like blowing directly into our faces. And then we were wearing ponchos. We both had ponchos that we were putting on over our backpacks. Cause we were like, Oh, this is a great idea. We only have to carry one rain protection item and it'll cover us and our packs. And it turns out that a person and their pack under a poncho does not, the ponchos have like snaps under the arms little plastic snaps. And so you get all like snapped in your poncho and then you start walking and the snaps are just like coming undone repeatedly. (laughs) And it's also really hard to get the poncho on yourself over a pat. Like, so if I hadn't had her there, I probably couldn't even got the thing on to begin. So we're just like walking. It's miserable. It's wet. It's cold. The wind is blowing so loud. The poncho is flapping this like horrible flapping noise. It, I thought I was going to go crazy. Well, and I was just like, I hate this. The other thing about those ponchos is because you have the backpack on, it lifts the back up. So the back mm. of your legs get soaked because there's nothing yeah. protecting those from the rain. I've hiked in one before. I know exactly what you're talking about. It's absolute misery. Just get a, a pack cover or a liner or something and screw that. Like, no, you just yeah. don't need the poncho. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm right there with you. That would be awful. I coined the term poncho rage that day. <laughs> <laughs> Great. I, like, I am not an angry person. I like I don't let things get to me. And that day I was just like, I'm enraged. Like I can't deal. Um, Did you get any so video of that? I do have a video of me with my poncho flapping. Yeah. Oh, there it is. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um yeah, view that on my Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> um, best day on the Colorado Trail, I would say. So I hiked with my friend Maybelline for the first two weeks. She ended up getting injured and getting off trail. Um, and 
And then another friend came and joined me. But in the time in between, I was alone for about five or six days. And one of the days was um, where the trail crosses Mount Princeton Hot Springs. And so you walk directly by this like really fancy hot spring resort with like beautiful views of the mountains. It's like right at the bottom of Mount Princeton. And she had dropped me off or I'd gotten a shuttle to the trail and she was staying in a hotel in town. And then I hiked for two days and then met her back at the hot springs. And so that day I like hiked 10 miles in the morning, walked out. She was there. We spent five hours at the hot springs um, and then went back to the hotel. So it was like I had one night on trail by myself, back to the hotel, hot springs, party day, then like two or three more days on the trail. And then my friend came and joined me. So it was a really good like especially after the the southern end of the trail is long stretches between towns. So we had gone like six days between resupply, seven days between resupply. And then we got there and she got off trail. And then I got all these like one night on trail, one night in a hotel, one night on trail, like go to the hot springs. Um, and so that was a really fun kind of intermission. That's all. It was probably the best time on the Colorado trail. So how heavy was your pack? Those long, uh, those long days that's, between trail, between that's the what cities. I was thinking. I was like six or seven days. Oh yeah. my gosh, that sounds heavy. That's that's a lot of food. Yeah, definitely. I think we had three six-day sections kind of back-to-back, and I said, I don't know if I would plan another trip with a six-day section with no resupply because um, it was really heavy. Honestly, I didn't weigh my pack. I don't know what my base weight was, um, so I have no idea. <laughs> Well, you said- um, you I'm like said, the worst backpacker ever. I don't know oh, what my base weight was. I think that the problem that's, that's, is- yeah. Everybody's weighing their packs too much. They, they, you need to just let it ride. ride. (laughs) I was like, I have everything I need. I'm, I'm a pretty experienced backpacker at this point. I know, I know what gear I can and can't live without. And like, does, does the amount of pounds actually make a difference? Not really. Not really. I mean, it matters, but it's not going to (laughs) change. It's interesting because you said on the AT, you didn't bring enough food. Or at least you weren't eating your food. But then you said on the CT you that were one. eating constantly. So I'm guessing you had quite a bit more food with you uh, on the on the CT than you did when you were hiking on the AT. I don't think so, honestly. Really? Um, I packed a lot of food on the AT. I was just not eating all day and then eating a whole day's worth of food between 5 p.m. Uh, and bedtime. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Um yeah, so I don't I don't think my food I definitely didn't overpack food on the CT because when we would get into town I'd be like right at the end of everything that I had brought. Um and I definitely went probably on the lighter end in terms of water. Um the Colorado Trail is notoriously dry, but this year it was really wet. And so we had one 12-mile stretch with no water and I think one like 16-mile stretch with no water. But other than that, we pretty much had every three to five miles water. Oh, that's awesome. So I was able to, I was able to carry like a liter at a time, which that's, is great. That's awesome. That really does help yeah. a lot. Uh, Sarah Melhoff wants to ask, uh, what gear changes did you make after the AT and before the next through hike you did? So I actually used pretty much all the same gear on the AT that I used on the Wonderland Trail. Um I didn't upgrade much of anything, but after the Wonderland Trail, I sold my house and I was like, while I have this money from selling my house, I'm going to buy new backpacking gear. Um, So I switched from, um, before I had an Alps mountaineering one and a half person tent, which I loved, but it weighed a little over three pounds. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah. And 
Um, but it was like warm and nice and spacious. <laughs> um, and I switched to the Nemo Hornet one person, which is like a one pound, 11 ounces. Yeah, that's um, a nice tent. Yeah, it's really nice. And, I, and I'm really happy with it. It's definitely a lot lighter. Um, it's a it's a little tight. I'm almost six feet tall. So for me, it's like, you know, my feet and my head are pretty close to the ends. Um, and I like to have all my gear in there with me. So then it's like, it's pretty tight. Um, I also got a catabatic quilt. Oh yeah. And yeah. I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. I think I struggle with the open top cause I just sleep really cold and I want it to be like snugged around me. So I think I need to figure out the, like the string system. <laughs> they like send you this cord and you're supposed to like attach it to the thing. And I was just like, yeah, you know, and so I didn't bring that. <laughs> <laughs> just like me. <laughs> And I probably should have brought that and used it. <laughs> so it got a little drafty is what you're saying. It got a little drafty. Yeah. yeah. That's fair. Um, but I also use, so I have the Catabatic Quilt and I also have a Merino Bag Liner by Big Agnes, which I love. So the combination of those two things, I was like super toasty. Um, and before that I had a men's 30 degree, like Sierra Designs bag. And I think the quality of the bag was fine, but I needed something warmer. And so I was always freezing. Yeah. A lot of the name um, brand bags, they do a, a survival rating and not a comfort rating. And so yeah. you end up, it says 30 degree, but it's actually like a 50 or 55, 60 degree bag a lot of times. Yeah. Well, and also like men sleep warmer than women. So a men's 30 degree bag is not the same as a woman's 30 degree bag. Yeah. And I also have a health condition that makes my body not regulate temperature very well. And so, but I didn't know that before. So like at the time I was just like, I'm freezing all the time. <laughs> I didn't know why. Um, so now I know how to like pack a little better for that. So I'd say those are like my, you know, my big three gear upgrades. I've been carrying an MSR reactor stove, which is not a very popular stove for through hiking because it's big and heavy, but I will say it's my favorite piece of gear. Like I love that thing. It's heavy and it cooks so fast. Well, here's the thing. If it's your favorite, who cares? Yeah. Like nobody else well, has to like, like it. Yeah, You're the only that person snow? that has to like it. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I say that because there's so many people who get caught up in in the whole like, well, I got to have the lightest this and the best that. And it's like, yeah. well, if you have something you really like, use that. You know, that, that if, if that makes you happy and it works, do it. Speaking of things yeah. that make me happy and work, uh, I just received another text from Ben McMillan, except this time he's given us a mock-up of the leggings designed by Christine. And uh, <laughs> just to see what you guys think of these. Um, and Christine, like <laughs> would you totally yeah. rock these if you were out on trail? Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think I'll rock those. <laughs> uh, you got to love Ben McMillan, man. You got to love Ben. He's always got something <laughs> funny to put out there. So um, we got another good question. I just saw a second ago. I want to make sure that uh, that gets on here. Uh, here it is right here. This is a great question. What was that wow moment on trail? The first one that comes to mind is from the Wonderland Trail. I had uh, like a really grueling, probably 3,000 foot climb. And I was just thinking like, is this thing ever going to end? And I was by myself and I was feeling really like boohoo about being lonely and just like having a bad day. And I got to the top of the climb and came up over Emerald Ridge. And it was just the most like idyllic scene um, it was like a, a view of Mount Rainier when, when the mountain had been hidden before that. And I came up and I could see the mountain and then the ridge was just like 
alpine meadow with beautiful colors of wildflowers and there was marmots like frolicking like they do and you know it <laughs> like, that's great. kind of one of those moments that you like get up and you're like ah like this is this is really what i came here for you know that's awesome uh what was your favorite segment of the ct oh so hard to say um i really really enjoyed the segment just south of Breckenridge, um, or I guess just south of, of Copper Mountain, like when you're coming towards Copper Mountain and you come over and you have a view of the 10 mile range um, and Kokomo Pass, which I yelled Kokomo by the what is it, Beastie Boys, Beach Boys, I don't know. Boys, yeah, boys. Beach Boys. <laughs> Some boy band. Boy band. <laughs> Seems you know that's on Kokomo, and I was singing Kokomo at the top of my lungs at twelve thousand feet, and then I was like out of breath, and I had to like stop because I was winded. Um, I think that was probably the the segment with Kokomo Pass was probably my favorite. I just want to say that was one of my favorite moments in the history of our podcast. Someone confusing the Beastie Boys <laughs> and the Beach Boys that makes my whole day. That's awesome. Um, one more question, real quick. Of uh, what water filtration do you use? Uh, I'm a Sawyer devotee. Um, yeah, I've been using a Sawyer Squeeze since the very beginning. On the Colorado Trail, I also did have Aquamira because there are some cow puddles that you have yeah. to drink out of. And I just wanted to be extra safe. Um, but I think I only used it once or twice. That's awesome. I I think most people, if they aren't using it now, they've used the Sawyer Squeeze at some point. I mean, it's just, it's just a yeah. really good filter. Actually, Jeremiah and I did an argument over it one time just for fun on one of the, one of the live streams. So uh, listen, we're, we're about an hour into this already. Um, do you want to let people know how they can find you online? Yeah. Uh, it'd be great for people to know just how to, how to discover you and keep up with what you're doing and, and maybe find out about new books when they come out. Sure. Um, yeah. The best way to reach me is on Instagram. My handle is at rugged outdoors woman. Are you to say that at, is that like nerdy? Um, <laughs> that's definitely the best place to get me and I'm super responsive. So if you want to like chat backpacking or books or whatever, like you can, you know, send me a DM. Um, and then I have a website, it's aloneinwonderland.com. And that is where you can purchase the book. I just launched the Black Friday all week long sale today. So you can get a signed book plus copy, which comes with some postcards from the Wonderland Trail um for $22.99 and it's normally $26.99. Um people want to if people those... want to see the autograph, it's right there. <laughs> yeah, you'll get one of those. I've got it in my book right there. <laughs> um yeah, so those are kind of the best places to get at me. Um alone in alone in com. I link to some of my other writings. So if I write like short stories or essays or blogs, a lot of times I'll link them from there so you can see them. But I also always share them on my Instagram. So that's awesome. Well, Christine, I got to be honest with you. You are a very eloquent speaker. You're very eloquent in your book, your writing. I mean, Jeremiah wasn't kidding when he said it was such a well-written book. You know, a lot of times people write books and you're like, well, that was nice. Your book was really, really well done. I mean, it was, every, it was like a real book. It's like a real book. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I think that's a You're compliment. Wrong. I think that's a compliment. Oh. I appreciate it. <laughs> Some, I, I mean, I'm, yes, I'm aware. Sometimes trail books are not like real books. They're like a trail journal. Yeah, but yeah. you did. You're such a good storyteller. Uh, you know, you were doing a biographical, but it, it really felt like you were just telling a really good story. And uh, you're a good storyteller. 
And I'm looking forward to the to the one on on the Colorado Trail. Definitely looking forward to that. How about you, Jeremiah? Yeah. Well, first, I don't know if her second book's about the Colorado Trail, but if that's it is, true, I'm, I'm assuming it things. is. Okay. Good. We're right. Okay. <laughs> so yes, I'm excited to read it, and I have to say, Alone in Wonderland. Uh, you need to order a copy. We we didn't even get into like the meats and potatoes of the book. There's a there's a ton of stuff in there that is more than just the superficial backpacking experience. You know, you basically, I it, it's weird because people are always like, you know, I watch. I have a YouTube channel, so they'll be like, okay, I watch you on YouTube because it kind. So it kind of feels like I know you, but not really. And I got to see some of you, but reading your book, how how vulnerable you are in it, and how you go into uh, what's happened with your family and your previous relationships and the journey that you're on now. Like John said, it's so eloquently written, and you know, I'm joking saying, you know, like a real book. It is. It's like a. It's legitimate, and it is a, a pleasure to read. There's and, a reason it won an award. Let's just put yeah. it that way. There's a reason it won an award. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I could sing the praises all day, but I, I definitely am going to read the next one, and hopefully you'll come back on the show. We didn't even get to talk about uh, a lot of the other backpacking stuff that, that we could have, too. Gear, and then also I saw somebody mention about the like bears and wildcats and that kind of stuff. So I know that you have some awesome experiences that you've had, and Hopefully you'll grace us with your presence again so that we can keep talking. Yeah, I would absolutely love to. You guys are so sweet. Thank you. Uh, Richard Stamper does want to know, is that an audiobook? It is not yet. Um, producing an audiobook is a pricey endeavor, and I would really love to do that, but I am not financially able yet. Okay, and final question of the night. This is for the pizza, for the pizza ninja. Um, do you have any embarrassing poop stories? You know what? Actually, I wrote um, a really lovely piece about the first time I ever pooped outside, um, <laughs> and awesome. it's going to be in the next book. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. Um, but I'll just give you a hint. I cried the first time. That I oh, no. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. That is great. Um, it's been awesome having you on here. Uh, if you don't mind, just kind of hang out in the green room because we want to talk to you for a little bit after we get done here. But uh, thank yeah. you for being on the show. Jeremiah, do you have anything else you want to say before uh, we start to sign this thing out? Uh, I just want to say thanks again. And I had a super quick question. I know that you changed uh, the names of the book and everything, but um, there's especially a couple of ladies that you built relationships with in the book and th that helped you grow as a person. You still keep in, in contact with them pretty regularly? Um, Lindy and Laura are mm -hmm. my two best friends. Um, and those are their real names. Um, oh. <laughs> so they are my two very closest friends. They also were the first and last editors of the book. Um, so yeah, they're still a huge part of my life. Well, kudos to them. That's awesome. awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the show. We'll see you in a second. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Man, that was great. That was just great, that man. That was joyous. Yeah, it was. She's, I mean, I, I'm not kidding when I say when I read the book, I'm just going, we're going to have her on our show? Like, I feel like she should be on, like, bigger podcasts than this one, like, after reading the book. Don't you yeah. feel that way? Well, I feel like if she hasn't been yet, she is definitely going to be. Yeah, she, man. That kid's going places. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. No, but in all seriousness, if you, if you haven't read the book, guys, it is fantastic. It's, it's just a really... 
and it's an it's very eloquently written but it's a very easy read at the same time that that's what was so impressive about it because it's not one of those things of where she's using dumbed down english or anything like that she's just she's really well versed and she writes well and it's it really is easy it's an easy read and you find yourself getting caught up in the story yeah and i was getting frustrated because i got the book so long ago and you know i had to wait because she was on the colorado trail to talk to her so i was like i can't read this book all at once yeah because I want it fresh on my mind whenever I'm talking to her. Then I'd start to read it, and I'd be like, oh, "Okay, I gotta, I gotta break this up. I could just, you know, like just sit there and and read and read and read. Sometimes it's good to get lost like that, though." Yeah. Well, we're already hearing. Need another episode. Another ep- awesome episode. Like people, people would love to have have Christine on again. So we definitely need to make this happen if it's possible. Yeah, that's fun. I think. We uh, do. Speaking of. Uh, another episode next week for those that are still listening we're going to wrap up this season of live streams next week on Monday we're still going to have the show like normal and you'll still have episodes through December but we are wrapping up the uh, the live stream season with uh, Hunter and Taps yes we are and and Jeremiah is actually coming up to Casa de Kelly and we're going to we're going to record three brand new episodes audio only episodes that we will be posting uh they'll end up on YouTube as well but uh these will uh i guess we'll say they'll premiere on YouTube and audio simultaneously so that way you will not be missing out on episodes we're not going to leave you guys hanging we are going to have episodes going on and uh, we are excited about it there's some really cool stuff that we're going to be talking about uh, and we're starting to line out some guests for next season, and it's looking like it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. So if you got guests, shoot us a DM on Instagram at Backpacking Podcast. You got somebody that's interesting? Don't send me no losers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess you're right. We don't want to have losers on the show. I think that would probably a good call. That's probably a good call. <laughs> <laughs> Well, with that said, uh, for myself and Jeremiah Stringer, you guys have a wonderful time, and we will catch you on the next go-around. Adios.